Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021. This is Shannon, and I am here tonight with Sarah, Stacey, Melissa, and Natalia. Yay. And in honor of Valentine's Day, we are diving in to the land of romances. Woo-hoo. We have some historical, some contemporaries, maybe even some new adults, I don't know. But it is going to be a fantastic look at romance greatness Some of these are pretty recent romances. Some have been out for a while. Hopefully you will find a book or two or more to make you happy this Valentine's Day. So we are going to do things a little early because there are five of us. So instead of doing the round as we usually do, we are just going to each do all three of our selections at once. So you'll hear me (laughs) first. Then Natalia, who isn't last for like the first time in podcast. No, well, you weren't Ever. last one other time, I think. But this is a very unusual um, sequence of events. So you'll hear me, then Natalia, then Sarah, Melissa, and last but not least will be Stacy. So before I get started, I'm going to do the usual housekeeping information, and then we will dive right in. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So I had several options for things that I could talk about, but I wanted to start off with this one. So this is one that came out last year. And this is the first book in a series called Rogues and Remarkable Women. And the first book is called A Duke, the Lady, and a Baby. And it is by Vanessa Riley. And this is a Regency romance. It's set in 1814. And it is set in England. But before people go into like moans and groans of dismay, I have to say that there are no ballrooms and no potted palms in this book yay so this (laughs) so this is the story of patience and patience was married to a man who she believed committed suicide and after his death she was very very badly treated by the man who became the guardian of her son and she was separated from her baby. They took her to Bedlam and they decided that she was gonna stay. Well, Patience does not want to be separated from her son. She knows that she does not have a mental illness. And so she manages to escape from Bedlam and she joins this group called the Widow's Grace. And they are a group of very wealthy, influential English women who help widows who have been either mistreated by male relatives or are in some other way like looking for justice. So they are going to help patients regain her son and also like keep the lands that belong to him so that they don't end up going to this nasty Lord guy who is the uncle of her deceased husband. So she ends up falling in love with this Duke who is the cousin of her deceased husband. And he was very badly injured in the Napoleonic War. And he lost 
from his knee down, he had to have his leg amputated. And I thought that she did the whole disability thing very, very well, especially for the time in which the book is set. Um, I didn't see like, you know, oh, that the hero is, is helpless or completely unmanned. Um, I thought it was just so well done. I loved that the heroine was a woman of color. Um, it just, it's so different from so many of the stereotypes that we see in a lot of the modern historicals that are out there now. Um, I really love this. There are so many just really authentic characters. Um, the second book comes out in April. And I'm really excited for it because the, her the heroine of that book is someone that we know really well from this book. So I'm eager to see kind of how things play out for her. So this one is A Duke, the Lady, and a Baby, Rogues and Remarkable Women, book one, and it's by Nessa Riley. I'm going to stick with historicals briefly and talk about the suffragette scandal. This is book four in the Brothers Sinister series by Courtney Milan. Um, this, I think, the series as a whole is one of the yes. very best historical series out there. Yes. Yes, I love it's it. It's just like so, so amazing. So incredibly so diverse. So this one, yes, it is. Yes, it is. So this is book four. And I did read... Um, the rest of these, so I'm not, you know, talking out of order necessarily because I have read them all. Um, the series starts with The Duchess War, and although I like that one, it is not my favorite in the series. My favorite would definitely be either The Heiress Effect, which is the second book, or this one, The Suffragette Scandal. So this is the story of Frederica Marshall. She goes by the name Free, and she is in charge of this newspaper um, that deals a lot with women's rights. And it's kind of an underground newspaper that no one is really sure who's responsible for it. Um, they try to stay kind of under the radar so that they're not shut down. And Frederica has grown up with very, very strong opinions about the place that women hold in society and how that differs from the way that society treats men. So she really wants to make a difference in the lives of women. And she figures that this newspaper is the kind of the best way to do that. So she ends up meeting our hero and she is very skeptical of him. Um, she figures that he's just another kind of wealthy man who isn't interested in women's rights. And so she tries to push him away and keep him from becoming too involved in her, in her business, as well as just in her life in general. But he has a reason for getting to know Frederica. And I'm not going to tell you what that reason is because that would be spoilerish and terrible. But as they kind of form this reluctant alliance, you can really see how they become more than enemies like they start out as really good friends you know they like their enmity kind of wanes they become good friends and as it goes on the relationship deepens in such a beautiful beautiful way um, I found myself just really entranced by the way she was able to form this relationship um, this is kind of a a political book, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff about the politics of the time. I love the emphasis on women's rights and why it is that men were so determined to keep women from voting. Some people say that the political narrative kind of takes away from the romance. I did not find that to be the case at all. Um, I think Milan does a really good job of finding that balance. But if you don't like kind of social justice woven into your romance, then that might be off-putting for you. So this again is The Suffragette Scandal. It is Brothers Sinister, book four by Courtney Milan. And last up for me today 
is the second book in the Brown Sisters series by the incomparable Talia Hibbert. This is Take a Hint, Danny Brown. Um, last year, I was introduced to Hibbert's work when I read the first book in this series, which is Get a Life, Chloe Brown. And I, I really fell in love with it. And she's so, so excellent. I heard an interview with her and she's just so like down to earth and smart and has a lot of valuable insight that she sort of weaves through um, the books of hers that I've read. So Take a Hint, Danny Brown is kind of a mashup of a fake relationship and a friends to lovers romance. Danny is a bisexual woman who has no room in her life for love. She's working on getting her PhD. She is a university professor and she just has this very logical, orderly way of viewing the world. She does, however, see the value in having good sex. And so she's very interested in having kind of friends with benefits relationships with some people in her life so that she can get her needs met without necessarily becoming emotionally entangled. But this changes when Danny is rescued, rescued in, in quotes, from an elevator, or as they call them in England, a lift, during an evacuation drill. She is pulled from the lift by this man named Zaf, who is a friend of hers. Um, she knows him from work. He is a security guard, and they have struck up a friendship over the years they've been working in the same building. Zaf is a former rugby player who is working security and also working at a charitable, charitable foundation that he started. And this foundation does not have the publicity that it needs to kind of keep going, to get funding and to get the notice that it deserves. But when Zaf rescues Danny, this video, which is shot um, of him carrying her out of the building, goes viral. And the two of them come up with a plan to pretend that they are dating in order to boost the recognition of Zaf's foundation. Both Zaf and Danny are incredible. Zaf is dealing with very, very deep grief and with some anxiety. Um, a generalized anxiety disorder, which Hibbert describes so, so well as someone who has dealt with anxiety all of my life. I really appreciated the care that she took in bringing this disorder to life on the page. Um, Hibbert, in so many ways, is just excellent. And I think I actually enjoyed Danny Brown um, a little bit more than Chloe Brown, which I don't think is true um, of a lot of people who have read it. I think a lot of people love Chloe and kind of were lukewarm about Danny, but I love them both. And Danny, for right now anyway, is my favorite. Um, the sequel, which is book three in the series, is Act Your Age, Eve Brown, and it comes out in March. So that, to wrap up, is Take a Hint, Danny Brown, The Brown Sisters, book two by Talbert. I am so glad that you mentioned Talia Hibbert. I just think she is such an amazing, amazing author. And I've read both the books and I liked both of them equally, I think, for different reasons. So good. I need to read these books. Yes. Yes, you do. I'm really glad you talked about the Vanessa Riley. Um, I'm just going to be really candid and say that the title... Um, made me think it was something totally different than it is. And so I've been skipping over it and like ignoring it and thinking it was going to be this like vapid, like 120 page, like silhouette yeah, yeah. romance type book. I, that's exactly what I told her that it sounded like yeah. one of those Harlequin silhouette titles. Yeah. So I can't wait to read it now. Yes, I'm really excited. Which I love, by the way, I love all those Harlequin silhouette 1980s titles. I just didn't think Shannon would. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> so, my Romantolandia life is going to be epically different today. Um, because, you know, I always talk about the same people and I wanted to shake it up a little bit. Um, so, full disclosure, this book was recommended to me by Shannon. 
And oh my God, I started reading it because I was in a book slump and I didn't like, it's very rare that I read a book in one sitting. And this is one of the books I read in one sitting. So this is The Marriage Game by Sarah Desai. I hope I'm saying that right. And this book is about Layla Patel. And she returns home um, after seriously failing at life. Like she just got fired from her job. Um, She just got dumped by her boyfriend. She's, you know, part of some crazy social media scandal. So she goes back home to her family and to work at her family-owned restaurant and to figure out her life. So she's, of course, daddy's little girl. And in his eyes, she there's nothing she can do wrong. So with the best intentions in the world, he kind of makes her a list of uh, marriageable men that she doesn't know about. And he also offers her his office upstairs for her to do whatever she wants. And she has this idea of starting a new business. But anonymously guess what the guy also does he creates her a dating profile okay remember how i said he made a list so he made her a dating profile and he made a list of the most the 10 most i guess the candidates with the most potential that he thought would work for his daughter and he's arranged a series of blind dates for her but she has no idea that he's done this until the first date comes knocking on her door thinking she already knows about this. So then we have Sam Mehta and he's a CEO of a corporate downsizing company. I didn't even know this what this was when I read the synopsis, but it's basically uh, the company that company that the company that companies huh the company that big corporations hire to do layoffs. I, I didn't know. I thought people's HR did layoffs, but apparently this is a real thing. I looked it up. And he has rented an office on top of a cozy Indian restaurant that smells like home because he's also Indian. But something happened in the mixed communication uh, and Layla and Sam are forced to share the same office. Um, And, you know, sparks fly. But not only does he share the office with Layla, but also with her family, her blind dates that her dad set up. Oh, it's such a delightful, delightful fiasco. I laughed out loud. I felt sad. It was all of the things. It's called a romantic comedy, but I felt everything with this book. So this is The Marriage Game by Sarah Desai. And I'm here looking for a publication date, but it's already out. So yay! Now, my second book is a book recommended by Sarah that I, I'll be honest, I downloaded it and I started the first chapter. I read the synopsis and I wasn't sure that it was going to be something I liked, but for different reasons. I know Stacy doesn't think she'll like this book, um, but um, I think she would. So this book is about Clara. And Clara has moved across country to follow her childhood crush who has invited her to live with him in his apartment that he owns. Except he decides that he has to go with his band and do some really important music project and leaves her high and dry with some sublet roommate that he has uh, I guess gotten to pay rent on his room in the house instead. So now, full disclosure, I didn't know how I was gonna feel about this book, but it was so amazing. Um, so you know, Clara is very, I guess, like what's the word, persnickety. Um, like everything has to be in a certain order, you know. As soon as she realizes she has a different. A roommate that she thought she makes all these house rules, like do your own dishes, knock before regimented. You in the bathroom. Yeah, regimented. I guess that's the word. Regimented. Because she, I guess she, you know, in my opinion, I think she kind of felt like her whole life was out of control. And so she needed it, she needed to establish some sort of thing. And then her roommate, her new roommate, which is not who she thought was gonna be, his name is Josh, and he's very easygoing. But one of the rules is never look up your roommate online. Um, you know, but 
Clara being the well-mannered, regimented social life that she is, um, she actually breaks a rule and looks him up online. So one of the rules that Clara has given herself is not to Google her roommate's name, not to be paranoid about him because he seems to be very perceptive and too handsome for his own good. And she's scared that maybe he's a creep or, you know, she's living with a stranger. Except even though she's an overachieving, rule-following socialite, she breaks this rule, looks him up on the internet, and finds out that Josh has made his name for himself by being a porn star. And not only by being a porn star, but by being a porn star famous with women and pleasing women. And that's when Clara survives them. Maybe she could have survived. Sorry, I'm going to say that again. That's when Clara realizes that maybe she could have survived living with him had she not looked for him on the internet and known what he does. Um, So anyway, this is a really interesting um, book. Uh, I think it tackles some really cool things. Um, I, I also think it's kind of what what you want to take from it. You know, if, if you want something um, lighthearted that you're going to enjoy, it'll be that. But it also talks about a lot of things that are important, like some, you know, gender stereotyping, object, objectification of women and sex and body image. So I thought it was really great. And I really, really love the lessons I got from this book. And it was another book that I read in one sitting. So this is The Roommate by Rosie Dannon, I think is how you say her name. And I know Sarah loves this book too. Uh, And my last book that I'm going to talk about is about by an author that um, we all uh, love here. And I hadn't discovered her until I uh, joined the podcast. And her name is JT. Is it Geisinger or Geisinger? Geisinger. Okay. So JT Geisinger. And this is, mind you, she's got many series and they're all amazing. But my favorite book by her has to be Midnight Valentine. Mine oh my God, too. What an awesome book. And I just feel like it's Valentine's Day. I had to talk about a book with Valentine in the title. And it took me the longest time to um, think about one that had Valentine in the title that wasn't like, you know, super cheesy. Even though I like cheesy. I just, you know, not for this. <laughs> and I was talking to the Twinities and I remembered this book. So this book is about Megan Dunn. She is moving into Seaside, Oregon. Uh, after her husband and sweetheart of her entire life um, has passed away. I think it's it was five years ago. Um, they basically had this very fairy tale story, very happy marriage, uh, very great life until a car accident killed him. And so she decides that she's done being depressed. And not doing anything about it, I guess. And even though she's still really unhappy and has not been able to move on from her grief, she feels like the least she can do is fulfill the dream that she had with her husband and open a B&B. Um, and so she moves to Seaside and she bought an old Victorian. But the old Victorian needs really, really expensive uh, renovation. The town is a small town. And the only man that can help her, his name is Theo Valentine is not very welcoming. Um, it's very interesting because their paths uh, cross again and again. You know, typical romance novel, but what's so interesting about Theo, for me, is not necessarily that he really dislikes this, uh, that he dislikes uh, Megan or anything like that, but it's that he does not talk at all, like ever. And I just think it's really interesting how they find ways to communicate with each other that isn't actually speaking. And, um, you know, it's, it's just such a, such a cool thing between them. And also Theo, I, I kind of like, um, I don't know if you guys would agree that this is kind of like a, a B 
Beauty and the Beast, sort of, because you've got like your reclusive hero and he's scarred because he also had a very bad accident. And I guess um, people think that the accident, it's assumed that the accident is what left him mute. Um, But somehow he has a very, even though he's not very fond of her he has some kind of vested interest in remodeling this this house and making it a bnb and it's very coincidental so i really enjoyed uh watching megan go through you know her past her grief her feelings towards um her husband and what he was and and the life i guess that's not coming back and and figuring out what her dreams are now as, as somebody who's now a widow and what her life is. And of course, you know, I, I love like uh, instant dislike. I like like the whole enemy idea and then from enemies to secret friends to something else. So this is Midnight Valentine by JC Geisinger. And I think everybody can agree. It is one of the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful books ever read. Yeah. I, I love both The Roommate and Midnight Valentine. And to me, they are both, they're very different, completely different stories. But to me, they epitomize like what I'm looking for personally in a romance. They're so good. And they're both rereads for me. I, I could reread them multiple times and find other, like new things that I haven't read, be, you know, new things that I didn't notice before that just make me want to read it again. Yeah. I have two quick things I want to say, Natalia, before we move on. And the first one is that I have to read The Marriage Game. I know that Shannon recommended it. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I love oh my God. Books with I, like I blind feel like dates I didn't do it and, justice at all. Well, no, I, I need to read it like right now. Um, the other thing I want to say very quickly, um, I, I will read The Roommate. I'm, I'll start it again. <laughs> um, but I wanted to say that. Midnight Valentine to me was one of those books that was so like achingly, painfully beautiful. Like, yeah, even though God, it's like a reread for me, like I almost can't reread it. <laughs> like, cause it was just such a special so discovery. So those are my comments on your books. So the, <sighs> the first book I'm going to talk about tonight is Dear Enemy by Kristen Callahan. And Kristen Yay! Callahan is such an amazing author. She wrote uh, the Darkest London series and a whole bunch of other books, but Dearest enemy or dear enemy is a book that I love. They met when they were kids and they were childhood, like hated each other. She started off trying to be nice. She smiled at Macon Saint when she met him riding bikes with her sister, when they moved into a new house and (laughs) she was like the grass staying tomboy and her sister was like the snotty, beautiful girl. And it seemed as though he was drawn not to Delilah, the tomboy, but to Samantha, the more worldly, beautiful sister. And so hence began a horrible several years of hating back and forth. And they hated each other and, and said horrible things about each other in school. And it was very well known that they were enemies and rivals. And they said horrible things about each other, like their senior year in the paper at school. And Delilah just couldn't stand him and he would just fill her with rage and she would just, oh, she was so angry and she'd write in her diary about how much, oh, Saint, making Saint, I hate him. And he dated her sister. So he was at their house like every day and he would like eat dinner at their house and like kick her foot under the table and like shoot peas at her and like, oh my God, he was so annoying. And she just was so angry and couldn't stand him. So then they grow up and things happen. And he breaks up with her sister and they move away. And she's like, oh, thank God, Macon Saint is gone from my life. But he's not. Because several years later, Samantha, who is obnoxious and spoiled, pops back up in his life briefly and steals something of his. And then she leaves town. But guess what? She doesn't leave her phone number with Macon Saint, who is now a an up-and-coming Hollywood actor, she leaves her sister's number, Delilah. And he texts her and she's so mad. And she's like, oh my God, now I have to fix, you know, more of Samantha and Saint's issues. And she wants to help her sister. She wants to protect her mom, who is like this kind of fragile hearted, kind of 
wimpy person. And so because Samantha has left town and there's no one to help after she stole this special thing from Saint, she decides she's going to work off the debt. She's going to be his personal chef and assistant. So she's going to have to live in his house, which fills her with so much rage. And she's going to have to be, you know, around him all the time. And so she moves into his house and she starts cooking for him and trying to work off the debt and being his personal assistant. And the sparks, as always, fly, but they're not so much of like hatred and rage. It, they're, they're like, she's starting to find him attractive and, and she's kind of feeling protective of him and she wants to kind of help him. He, before she moved in, and you don't know this in the beginning of the book, which is why I didn't say it at the beginning of the book, he had gotten in a car accident and is recovering. So she's taking care of him. She's cooking for him. And she sees another side of him that she hadn't really seen when she was young. And he sees another side of her. And suddenly all of these raging sparks and what they thought was hatred, could it really have always been love? Do you think? Sexy sparks. Dear Enemy by Kristen Callahan. I'm not doing it justice. There's so much more to it than what I'm describing. She does the enemies to lovers so beautifully and not too many flashbacks to when they're younger, just enough to kind of fill in the backstory of the spoiled sister, the tomboy, cool, intellectual sister, and the boy, Megan Saint, who really didn't have a good family and just really wanted to be around the sisters and didn't know how to express his pain. So if you like good enemies to lovers with lots of great backstory and a lot of depth, read Dear Enemy by Kristen Callahan. You will not be disappointed. The next wow. book, yeah, the next book that I want to talk about was probably one of my most favorites that I read last year, and it's called Breathe the Sky by Michelle Hazen, and this is a beautiful story about a gentle and kind biologist named Mary Tucker, and Mary has come from a horrible relationship, very, very abusive She's hiding and she's hiding in the Mojave desert and she's protecting animals, endangered animals like bunnies and tortoises and other animals of the desert from building sites. So when you build in places like the Mojave desert, you have to have biologists on, on standby because you have to protect like the endangered species of the world. And so she is assigned to a foreman, Jack Wyatt's crew. And Jack is like loud and blustery. He makes all the biologists cry. None of them want to be on his crew because he's just so awful and so hard to be around. And for some reason, Mary can handle it. She doesn't cry and she doesn't back down, but she stays kind of gentle and kind and kind of just deals with him. And slowly she begins to win over Jack and his crew by making brownies in her solar powered oven on the back of her truck in the desert and cooking for them and kind of just being this gentle presence, kind and, and steady on their job site. And so Jack, who's had it really rough, and Mary, who's also had it really rough, start to come together as friends and kind of develop an understanding. And it just is kind of a slow, slow burn that develops into this beautiful romance. I love their, they're older. They're like, I mean, I don't think it actually ever says their exact ages, but I would say what, like 42, maybe, maybe she's 38. And it's just this beautiful evolution of these people who have had really rough lives and have dealt with with their tragedies in different ways and how they come together and support each other and how this gentle soul who has had so much tragedy in her life wins over an entire crew of these kind of rough 
guys that work on like these, um, I'm going to say towers because they always call them towers and I like cell towers, like these big towers out in the desert and they build and they weld and they're very rough and how they all kind of develop this like love for Mary Tucker. And so if you want to read a really beautiful romance, I highly, highly recommend um, Breathe the Sky by Michelle Hazen. And my third book is written by Claire Kingsley, and it is actually the final or almost the final one in a series. There's a novella after it, and it's called Hidden Miles. But I mean, if you wanted to, you could read it as a standalone. I wouldn't recommend it just because the rest of the family is really fantastic and wonderful. Um, It's about the Miles family. And this book focuses on Leo Miles. And Leo Miles was in the military and was gravely injured, horribly, horribly injured, and has come home to his family's winery. And since he's returned home, he has not been able to leave their land. He has panic attacks. He's post-traumatic stress. He has post-traumatic stress disorder. And he was very physically injured during his time in the military. So he doesn't want people to see him. He doesn't want to be around anyone. He just is around his family and can't leave their land. However, one thing that has brought him solace for the past several years is gaming online. And one of his online gaming friends is named Hannah, but he doesn't know that. And all he knows about her is her voice. And they're like best friends. They're, they don't share personal details, but they share everything else. And while they're playing these games and these worlds, they learn all these things about each other. But one day he's out on his family's land helping fix something and hears her voice. And it's, he's just shocked because she's beautiful and she's, he's, he is so self-conscious about the way he looks and, and he really wants to come up and and meet her, but he is too afraid. And she's there with her current boyfriend for a wedding on his family's land on their winery. And she, her, her current boyfriend is, is verbally abusive and becomes physically abusive um, in the book. And she sees a glimpse of this man who walks quickly out of the room, but they make eye contact at this wedding. And he has all these scars and he just looks different, but to her, he's beautiful and intriguing. So she goes home later and she starts talking to her online friend about this person she saw at the wedding and how intrigued she was. And it ends up being Leo. And so he knows that she's talking about him and he knows he saw her, but she doesn't know. So something happens with the current boyfriend who's abusive and she flees. And the only place she can think of to go is to the winery where this wedding was. And she gets there and through a crazy bunch of events, she ends up at Leo's door and meets him. And then they realize that they're the best friends from this game. And then the rest of the book is a slow building development of their beautiful relationship. And I love this book because it's just a hero and a heroine who are a little unlikely. Um, I love that they were friends for five years and knew a lot about each other, but never saw each other. And they totally develop this friendship on the basis of personality and, you know, on mutual interest without ever knowing what the other person looked like. Um, it's a wonderful book. I would recommend reading the whole Miles series, but this book is called Hidden Miles and it's by Claire Kingsley and it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. Thank you, Stacy, for recommending this book to me. Thank you, Stacey, you are my for recommending this twin. book. You're my hero. Uh, I know, but I have to say, um, I love Hidden Miles. Like it's, it's all my favorite tropes, everything. Um, but uh, Breathe the Sky was one of the most unexpected books for me of 2020. Um, it was a really gorgeous it's on story. on my wish list. 
It's really it's worth the read. Mine too. No. <laughs> yeah. It's it really, is, really good. It is not a, like a traditional contemporary romance, in my opinion. It's just, no. it's so beautiful. Okay. It's my turn. Um, the first book I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about is Forever Found by J. Lee Miles. And it has the trope of meeting when they're kids. These two little girls meet and become fast friends and one of them has oh, lesbians yes <laughs> and one of them has a father that's an asshole basically and he separates them and they're crushed and but then they grow up and live their lives and an accident comes and uh, happens and it brings them back together and they discover each other again and it's a nice slow book with the development of them rediscovering each other and building their relationship um that's basically the synopsis (laughs) so it's uh forever found by jaylee miles so is it like a like a sexy book or just kind of a it's like, it has a sex like scene, but it's not burn, as or like what is it? Slow burn, I would say. I would say slow burn. I mean, okay. and not raunchy. <laughs> the next book. <laughs> yeah, it has moments, but uh, they're not, you know, every page. <laughs> so okay. Um, and I recommend it. I I really I did enjoy it. Um, the second book is called Hopeless Romantic by Georgia Beers. And again, it's a lesbian romance. And um, their names are Leah and Teddy. Teddy is a wedding planner. And she just got divorced. And she had to give her ex half of her business because she had like four wedding planning um, shops and she had to give half of those to uh, her uh, wife ex-wife and then um, one day a young lady and her sister come in and her name is Kelly and Kelly brings her sister Leah in and then they find out that Leah was the divorce attorney that took Teddy for everything Leah is very, she's a workaholic, and yet she loves romantic comedies. So she goes to this theater on weekends to watch all these different romantic comedies. But one weekend, her and and, uh, Teddy meet afterwards in this restaurant, and they share cheesecake. (laughs) So, So that's the start of their I really like her kind of thing. Um, And they uh, go to meet at friends' house for a New Year's Eve party. And that's where they share their first kiss. So about a few weeks later, they um, go on there. They've gone to dates and they've cooked for each other. And I think the best part in the movie in the whole thing for me was the the scene where um, Leah is working late and Teddy surprises her with this meal she's cooked for her. And and she has all this stuff in a big picnic basket, which I thought was really cool. And it was serious. And it, was, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, here's that trope again, the picnic trope. And it was, you know, it was just well-written. <laughs> They do sleep together, and there's like three or four different scenes one in the bathroom, one on the couch. Um, oh, yeah, it's not, it's more of a medium burn, <laughs> it's not a slow burn. <laughs> okay, um, also, um, so, um Leah finds out that Teddy said she doesn't ever want to get married. And so she basically breaks up with her and says, get out of my life and see you later. 
So they have the beautiful wedding for her sister and they're both there, but you know, they're, they're not, you know, saying anything to each other or anything. And uh, so Teddy decides I want her back. So she enacts all of Leah's favorite rom-coms and um, at and then she gets on one knee and oh, I love says, that. I'll never, I'll never marry you right now, but I'm, I'm offering you the promise of someday. And she gives her a locket and that's how it ends. So that is Hopeless Aww. Romantic by Georgia Beers. Um, yeah, you can add that to your <laughs> TBR, Shannon. <laughs> I will. I've been I've been looking at it for a while, actually, and I couldn't tell if it would be like silly or if it would be good. So I'm glad. Okay. So I am really excited about my books. I really struggled. I've been um, I mean, obviously, romance is my first love and it's my favorite genre. But um, during the pandemic, I did a lot of reading outside my genre and I was reading a lot of urban fantasy and (laughs) Um, post-apocalyptic fiction, some horror. And then a couple months ago, all of a sudden, I just did like this deep dive back into romance. And mm-hmm. um, I just, I'm so filled with happiness for all the books that I'm going to talk to you about. Okay. So the first book I'm going to talk about is The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. And full transparency, I've been avoiding this writing duo for years. Um, For some reason, I just had this idea that it was sort of like Fifty Shades and that I wasn't Mm going to like what they had to say. And so um, I've done myself a huge disservice because Christina Lauren um, (laughs) should not be ignored. Um, So The Unhoneymooners is about Olive. And Olive is unlucky in all aspects of life. And just things always go wrong for her. I mean, it starts when she's six and she gets stuck um, ass hanging out when she tries to go into the toy machine to get the toy that's stuck and she gets stuck inside it and she's on the news. (laughs) And ever since then, like, right? And like ever since then, just things continue going wrong. This is like at a account, like I can't remember if it was a carnival or a fair, but. She gets you know, stuck in the toilet. She gets stuck. You know, oh. like those animals with the claw, and you know, you you try to get it, and oh. I can't remember. To I'm like ninety nine point nine percent positive that I'm telling that correctly. So, in the point oh one percentage that I might have gotten that wrong, I do apologize. But that's what I remember because it made me have like like defying giggles like over and over. So she's just been unlucky like her whole life. Now, except for, and, and then, right, and just things never Not quite work out for her. But mm-hmm. then there is her lucky, lucky sister, Amy, her twin sister, Amy, who basically, like, you know, um, wafts glitter where, wherever she goes. And everything just sort of oh always goodness. comes up roses for Amy. And mm. Amy is about to get married to her sort of perfect fiance and they had this like vomity treacly meat cute and like they've just had this stupid like love affair and you know olive's just kind of like whatever she kind of thinks of him as like a bro like a sort of frat boy but if it's what amy wants then she's all in olive and amy are part of this amazing amazing hispanic family that Mm -hmm. all have each other's backs Mm -hmm. and so all the cousins at the beginning are in the the bridal suite that was all paid for. Everything about Amy's wedding has been paid for by different sweepstakes that she's won, different contests. That is her goal in life, <laughs> is to get everything for free. Wow. And so her the wedding dress, uh, oh. everything is for free, including the hideous, <laughs> awful bridesmaids' dresses. And anyway, so they're oh, in this suite, and it's about to be the wedding. And Olive has this interaction with the brother of the groom, Ethan. She's hated Uh Ethan since their very first encounter. And (laughs) they just fight. They don't like each other. You know, he's just so, ugh. He's just not a good person. He's very snotty and snooty and just, ugh. He's just arrogant and gross. And she just hates him. 
And during the wedding, they continue to snipe at each other. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the reception, the entire group of people at the reception begins basically becoming violently ill. And they discover Uh it is because of the shellfish. (laughs) The only two people in the buffet, in her free buffet. Oh, my God. And the only two people who did not eat shellfish, eat the shrimp, eat the shellfish at this wedding were Olive and Ethan. And Amy (laughs) begs Olive to take her honeymoon because it is another contest that she won in Hawaii. And there's no do-overs. There's no, like, different, you know. And so... Olive ends up going to Hawaii for a week-long honeymoon with her arch nemesis, Ethan. And, you know, it's like the perfect enemies to lovers. Oh my. Forced proximity, honeymoon suite. They're pre- they have to pretend to be the happy couple because yeah. they could get in trouble and it could be taken away and they'd have to go home. So this book is about the week that they have at the honeymoon. Okay. And like, that's all great. And it's lovely. And it's how you would expect. But my favorite aspect of this book is what happens when they get back to the real world. And all of a sudden, all of the family sort of complications, you know, intrude into their little ideal that they've sort of crafted. And so all of that is great. The romance is wonderful. But what I love equally as much as the gorgeous romance between Olive and Ethan is the relationship between Olive and Amy so often Authors want to pit twins against each other. They want to have these weird relationships. They have to be compared. Mm-hmm. Olive and Amy are like my twin and me and um, very close. They, you know, everything um, they do together and, you know, their relationship is tested and I love how they work through that together. But I also love her enormous family who all jumps in to save each other's asses from whatever's going on. And this is just, I'm not doing this book justice, but let me tell you, it is like the greatest book of my life. And I think everyone, everyone, if you like romance, if you like enemies to lovers, if you like gorgeous family dynamics, um, you need to read The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. It's fabulous. I need this. I think Brooke read this even. She did. And and liked it. a big romance girl. And I no. read this, I read this yes. right after the first of the year and they, they go to their Hawaiian honeymoon. They're from, um, I want to say like Minnesota um, and they go <laughs> to Hawaii in January. It was just like, oh my God, I want to be in Hawaii right now. Like so it was just perfect. It was a great book. Yeah. <laughs> so the second book that I'm going to talk about, um, I have to admit to everyone that I, um, I've eaten a rather large helping of crow pie in the last oh. couple months. Because I, for years, have been like, oh, Regency romance, oh, ballrooms, oh, London society, uh, <laughs> potted palms, eh. and I just have done sort of like a turnabout um, because you can really get away with tropes in um, <laughs> in historicals that you can't necessarily get away with in contemporary. And mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to you about um, a new to me author. This book is called My Darling Duke. And it's part of a Wallflower series. And I'm so sorry that um, I'm blanking on the name of the sort of the subtitle of this series, but it's by Stacy Reed. So how can I not like it? Because her name's Stacy. So of course she's going to be a great author. <laughs> this book is about Catherine Danvers. Is it Stacy the right spelling? It is Stacy the right spelling. The correct only way to oh, spell Oh, very Stacey. good. Yes. So okay. this book is about Catherine Danvers and her family. And Catherine has been out for several seasons now. And, you know, she's just sort of like this. She's been passed over. She's sort of Mm. plainish and just not, you know. But she has younger sisters. And the family is really struggling financially. And in order to ensure that her sisters get the types of marriages that they would like, Catherine Danvers comes up with a bold and daring plan. She remakes herself into Kitty Danvers and decides that she, and she starts telling people that she is engaged to the reclusive Duke of Thornton, Alexander Masters, who has not been seen in society for 10 years. So guys, like, it's pretty obvious that he's not going to (laughs) just, he's like up in his like country estate. He doesn't ever come to London. 
So obviously it's a good idea for her to like impersonate his fiance. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. wouldn't you do that? Like to, you know, and so sure, maybe it's, it's working. The notoriety <laughs> of being engaged to the former darling of the tall, who's now sort of like this outcast reclusive monster yeah. because of pretty significant injuries that he sustained. Um, mm-hmm. Not in the military, I have to say. It's in a different way. And he ah, never comes to London. Okay. Yes. And so he is off like being a recluse up in Scotland. <laughs> and she's living it up in, in London. And all of a sudden, his lawyer is coming to her. His, um, what, what would they call a lawyer back in the, not attorney. Solicitor. Oh my God. Solicitor. Just thank barrister. you. His, <laughs> I think it was a solicitor. One of his five solicitors comes to her. And offers her, you know, money for a new wardrobe. And they move into a more fashionable townhouse using the Duke's money. And she's like, oh, my God, how am I ever going to pay this back? But she's like, but I just have to get through this until my sisters make their matches. And then I'll just, like, I'll say he broke up with me. And I'll just go back and do a life of, like, disgrace. And just, you know, disgrace. Well, Alexander Masters, Duke of Thornton becomes aware of her by reading the papers. And he was congratulated by his solicitor for oh. his engagement. And he's very interested because he didn't know he was engaged. <laughs> so for the first time in seven years, he leaves his home and travels to London to meet oh. this woman who is, you know, such an imposter. But the problem is he is so intrigued by this intelligent, witty, woman who had the courage to become an imposter he cannot leave her alone and (laughs) then their love story is born and that's all i'm gonna say about the romance part what i'm gonna also say about this book is um alexander (laughs) masters duke of thornton is gravely injured to the point where um He can only walk for short periods of time throughout the day. He has excruciating physical pain. He has disfigurement. And, you know, he has some potential issues um, regarding being able to even have any sort of sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. And the the author handled this because of his disabilities, not because of his, like, anxieties right um it's about right. it physically and no, i, I felt like yeah, yeah stacy reed handled the disability aspect of this book in such um a respectful and realistic and gorgeous way um the love story is not as orthodox as you would think it has um I don't know. It's like one of the most perfect things I've read. So there's like shades of beauty and the beast in this book. There's you know, the imposter trope, there's um, just a really, really gorgeous love story. And I, um, you know, I would never have read this book before. Uh, It was recommended in a Beauty and the Beast thread um, in a group on Facebook, but I never would have even looked twice at it because um, there was Duke in the title and I tend to pass those by. But let me tell you, this was the most gorgeous book I've read in a really long time. Um, This author I think is a fairly new author and she's going to be one to watch. Um, her books are really good. So this again is My Darling Duke by Stacey Reed. And it's the Sinful Wallflowers book one. And you will get introduced to the other ladies um, in the series who all will have their own That's sinful serious. excursions in society. <laughs> and my final book I discovered quite by accident Um I was looking for um, an epistolary novel. I love books where a large portion of the book is um, communicating via some sort of written communication. Mm-hmm. And so the book that I discovered when I was looking for books of this type, um, this book is called Man Down by Kate Meter. Um, and I never would have picked this one up either because it's called The Rookie Rebels, book three. So it's about a hockey team. Um, I'm not into sports romance at all. Um, I feel unless like I keep saying, well, unless it's just, yes, but I feel like I keep saying I'm not into Dukes. <laughs> I'm not into like hockey, but you know, sometimes you just have to like gain some perspective when you're stuck at home during a pandemic and you read things that maybe in the past you would have been snotty about. 
because of that, you discover some really great books. So true. I can relate. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm even having trouble um, putting words together for this book because um, I read this book weeks ago and the characters are still with me. Um, I don't often read a contemporary romance that touches me this deeply. Um, And so this book is about a man who is very broken um, in spirit. Um, He's barely kind of surviving in this cabin out in the woods. Um, His entire life imploded three years ago when he was in a car accident with his wife and young twins and was the only survivor. Mm-hmm. And it's Ooh. been very, yeah, I know. And it's been very challenging for Gunnar Bond to put his life back together since that day. And the only way that he can cope is by just kind of being alone. And the only thing that gives him a tiny bit of solace and comfort is to text his dead wife, text her phone and tell her things about his day and what he's been doing and how he's coping and how he's surviving. And years after he's begun this, he gets a text back from his wife's number. And thus begins (laughs) this very sort of interesting friendship between two people who do not know each other's names. They know nothing about each other except that (laughs) she becomes his anchor in the storm, his port in the storm, his anchor, his rock. And every day they start the morning by texting And, you know, she knows that she has a phone that used to be the number for his deceased wife because she read many texts before she finally responded. And so our heroine in this book is Sadie Yates. And Sadie works for um, a woman in Hollywood. She's um, an Instagram, Instagram influencer who has built her entire following and her entire popularity on um, different health regimens for the vagina and this is like her life and you know this is not what Sadie right and I hope I can say that word on the podcast but um this is not what Sadie really anticipated doing when she moved to LA after high school she had different ideas about how her life was gonna go and Sadie has basically yeah and Sadie has basically broken from her family um she has no relationship with her father and hasn't seen her young sister for the majority of her sister's life until her father is arrested for some pretty significant crimes. And she has to return to Chicago in order to um, be the guardian for her young tween sister. And so this book is about Sadie going to Chicago and trying to basically get her shit together and like try to figure out how to get her sister moved to California so she can continue being the personal assistant for this like wackadoodle woman on Instagram. (laughs) And it's about Gunner who now is back to playing um, professional hockey on the Chicago Rebels um, hockey team. And it's about how these two who are very close when they text when they meet in real life things don't necessarily go according to what's expected because you see they don't realize that oh they are each other's you know um text solace and so a little enemies to lovers uh kind of begins and i'm just gonna say this book is a lot about again i really like books with um Strong female friendships. She develops those throughout the book. It's a book about, um, you know, family and and sort of building a stronger family tie. Um, and it's a book about loss and love and, you know, finding the courage to start over when life has basically, you know, dumped just an avalanche of pain on you and having the courage to maybe start something afresh. So this book is Man Down by Kate Meter, and I beg and implore you all to read it. It is gorgeous. It is a slow burn. It is just, just, it's like the perfect, perfect, perfect romance. And I loved it so very much. (laughs) All right. These are such great.
great choices. Wow, Stace. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be looking these up yes. very soon. Yeah, and I, um, out of these three, Shannon, I think you'd really like My Darling Duke because of the historical romance element and just it's interesting. Yes. Yeah. All right. So this brings us to the end of our romance grab bag episode. Thank you to Stacy, Melissa, for great, great choices tonight. I'm not always in a romance mood, but when I am, um, this will definitely give me some stuff to check out. Thanks goes out, as always, to Christine for all of her editing. And of course, we thank each and every one of you who joins us each week as we talk about so many books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.